later years, Shippy, as I'm a loud laugh. <laughs> you just, well, I would have told you that. <laughs> and it's, but it's, I was at Because, uh, you know, people try to sleep in the morning over here. <laughs> well, yours goes up. It's not really the volume. It just appears to be the volume because the pitch goes up and it peaks into a dog's whine. And that's why people often associate it with being loud. It's not loud. It just goes directly into the brain. It's amazing. You find the, the exact resonance. It's solid. It's solid. And I think there's going to be a, a fair few chuckles today, Sheppy. I think there's going to be some chuckles and some tears. Oh, I'm very probably. excited. <laughs> oh, then I've shed a few already. <laughs> um, I, uh, I thought of just one extra idea while I was ironing Sheffy this morning, so I'm just going to quickly write that down before I forget it. You, yes, please. And I'm just going to replay that sentence in my mind. This all has to be in the introduction. Cut down, but all of this has to be in the fade of the I just thought of something when I was ironing Sheffy. That I'm putting on a T-shirt. That's amazing. You know, I just thought I'd straighten that out, Sheppy. I thought I'd just straighten that out for us. And, yeah. Because I'm going to be that much laughter after all, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the sobbing sounds like laughter. <laughs> okay. Well, welcome to Shoulders of Giants, listeners. And uh, we're delighted to have you on this week's podcast. I'm Jimmy. Hello, I'm Sheppy. Are they on this week's? I mean, are they guests? Is this like a hidden, a hidden surprise? We're like, and we've got all of the listeners right here with us. So welcome. Good to have you. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great shout, Sheppy. Currently, given we we actually recording this before we published anything, so technically we've got a hundred percent of the listenership on the pod. Well, that's deep. I'm loving that. Although Calibos listened to one of them. Uh, he hasn't come oh. back for any more, so it doesn't bode too well. Not sure we've got a repeat listener, but he, he was there for, for a solid. So, yeah, well, that's nice. But, yeah, so we've got two-thirds of the, you know, the listeners so far established. That's not too bad. And Calibos is Sheppy's dog for the uh, most new to the pod. <laughs> Sheppy, you always throw to me for the intro, right? You always say, Jimmy, tell the listeners, but you are so much more articulate with it. You do it in a sentence where I take about a minute of pod time. And this is an extra I don't minute. know how to take that. I, I think it's a massive compliment in terms of your uh, your beautiful summary of our pod. <laughs> All right. So, hello. This is Shoulders of Giants. I am Sheppy. This is Jimmy. Uh, this podcast is a what-if scenario involving potential sequels, prequels, spin-offs that never happened, but maybe they could have in some beautiful alternative universe. This is not one of those pods which is like, boo, yah, sucks to you too, type Walter the softy deal. You see, one sentence, Jimmy, one sentence. Yeah, <laughs> strap yourself in. I'm going full Walter the softy, and there's nothing you can do about it. So this is not a podcast which uh, shits on things, literally or figuratively. We basically say, what if this film happened? And if, and you know, we're not going to say anything else is bad unless it's really bad, in which case we'll talk about that as well. But yes, lovely stuff, Jimmy. Lovely chef, um, I love it. So Jimmy, I'll tell you this. What, uh, well, this was your choice today uh, for what we're going to be talking about. So what, pray tell, did you, what, what titan? And it is a titan. I said that sarcastically, but 
this was uh, this is a huge cultural phenomenon and has a massive fan base. Uh, what what is this that we are doing today, Jimbo? Today, Sheppy, we are basically countering the, um, the 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 feeling of not having a friends reunion. So, I, I, for those that have seen the recent friends reunion after what 16, 17 years of being on air, it was mooted a couple not of times. Not being on air. Yeah, well, since it, of course, it's been on air constantly, isn't it? Circulated all over the world, still, everywhere. and keeps getting second wins, third wins, fourth wins, doesn't it? You're well, right. okay, so so first of all, before we get into this, what, what is the what is this thing that we're talking about? Friends, Shappy, friends. So we've got, we... Friends. Um, yeah, there was a recent Friends reunion. I happened to, to catch it, and um, and and during that reunion, they were saying that you know they'd never come back, they'd never do it because all the characters were so perfectly tied off. Well, I happened to think that one of the characters wasn't perfectly tied off, and actually, if memory serves, that character was so unperfectly tied off they got their own spin-off. <laughs> so I think, um, you know, I, I don't buy that for a moment. Um, so I, I but I. I do understand that they had a quite they landed it quite nicely. So there's no real need to revisit and, and revisiting will only be diminishing returns. But that's sometimes what we're all about. Well, there you go. Jimbo thought of diminishing returns. He thought, that's us. So absolutely. <laughs> Friends, a sitcom that ran, I think, from 1994 to 2004. It was 10 seasons. Very successful. I was there from the off, I have to say. I had watched Cheers um, and but and Seinfeld was something that really wasn't shown on English TV. I, I saw Seinfeld later when it was repeated when I was at university, and then I later saw it again on DVD. But it wasn't on. It wasn't really that uh, gettable when I was you know, in the 90s in, in England that I was aware of. But Friends was, and I watched Friends. And I think it's fair to say that I must have seen at least 80% of all the episodes. Maybe more, maybe maybe even like 97% of all the episodes. I, I don't know. I know that certain, I've seen some episodes quite a lot, like, because it's always on. So I've seen some episodes maybe even five or six times. Like, again, not for a long time, but they were repeated all the time. And like you said, Jimbo, it's never gone away. So I liked it, and I like it, and I always watched it, but it's not something that's up there. You know, I mentioned Seinfeld, and that's a show that I... I gravitate towards a 90s friends living in New York, soap opera, sitcom happiness. Um, obviously, uh, friends is more kind of soft and, and you know, it does have an edge, but it is more fluffy than, than Seinfeld and therefore much more, you know, appealing to the global masses. And um, unlike something like Big Bang Theory, which I've tried, you know, and it's all subjective. It's just, it doesn't ring my bell. So I never got into that. A Friends was as big. It was huge and it still is a um, massive show. And like I say, I always liked it um, and I like it generally. And I think some seasons were better than others. And I didn't like, frankly, I mean, the Joey and Rachel storyline was stupid, but honestly, I don't like the Monica Chandler getting together. Uh, Ross and Rachel is great, that's what it's all about, but you don't have to pair people off after that, especially when it's only, you know, two pairs, well, you know, three pairs, so it's a bit rubbish. Interesting um, wrinkle on that, Sheppy, on the Monica Chandler, I, I've always felt the same as you, and then watching the Friends reunion did kind of make me 
you know appreciate that a little bit more insofar as the they they wrote it originally just as a one-off they were going to have a london fling and that was it right, right. that's quite funny and that i guess would happen in that, that was definitely yeah. yes and then they had the longest, craziest response to it. Like, you know, how this live studio audience, whatever, when right. Monica's in, uh, sort of Chandler's in her bed in the London room. And then they right. just, they almost, it sounds like they had to stop filming almost. And it was yeah. just insane. Everyone was loving right. it, you know. So they kind of, it was a we listened to the audience job, but I don't know. Um, a victim of its own success. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they sh- yeah, it would have worked very well if like, and then the repercussions after that of can we still be friends after this? And then they have after they get past that, they could have had like a deeper friendship where they have this sort of a deeper understanding and familiarity, but it doesn't become sexual or romantic again. And that would have been really nice. Yeah, so, yeah, more interesting you know. maybe. But um, again, yeah. it was ten seasons, and maybe it was a slight victim of its success. And I think it got better again I think it did dip and it did you know as much as it's so hard to have a satisfactory ending to any sort of show especially a novel running a love show and you know and, and a show like Friends which isn't like a breaking bad which doesn't have a natural end point it's you know other than you know the way to end it is to separate them which I think is that you know, I have to say I haven't watched it but yeah I guess they you know, Joey goes to California and Ross and Rachel something do they stay move into the burbs or something i'm not sure right. i know chandler and monica move into the burbs oh yeah that's um, right yeah either way because i know that rachel's leaving and lost at the classic airport and then she comes back so i guess they don't go to wherever she's going it's one of my favorite all-time friends gags i think there with ross's airport dash where i think it's he snakes through the little waiting line while Phoebe just walks nice. to the counter. You know, the nice. nice, yeah, through the velvet line. Amazing. So, I'll, I'll just quickly give my thing on it too, Chef, because I, I think I, I have exactly the same experience of it as you. I came to it before Signy as well. And now, you know, I feel like we saved Seinfeld equivalent up for a much, much, you know, I mean, Curb's already kind of done it as well, hasn't it? But Yeah, you would exactly. I honestly, I wouldn't want to do a Curb. Well, I mean, you know, meaning doing a Curb, meaning do a sequel to Seinfeld. Because, you know, frankly, I'll do it for Friends because I'm not as invested in Friends. I wouldn't want to do it with Seinfeld because I, 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 you know, yeah, it's famous for not having the best last episode, but it's, it is what it is. And even without the Curb, which is such a lovely capper, it's like, it doesn't need an ending. It will just keep running forever. And as David Lynch said, it's still going on. The cameras are pointing at me. Yeah. So, um, so, so it doesn't need like why? Where are they now? Let's catch up with them. And um, it goes against, you know, the flow. It's like yeah, that's fine. So, in terms of this, it's like you know, potentially you could do a Cheers, you know, um, and I would be perhaps interested to an extent. But again, you don't need to because you just know it's carrying on. And with friends, it's interesting. Um, I, I know you're going to go first on this, Jimbo, because it was your idea for friends. But I feel I should say, relatively upfront, that the version of friends that I've gone for is um, some. It, it's it's unlike anything else that I've done before. In that, I think all of my other versions for the other podcasts have been things that, in some universe, could exist. Whereas this version that I'm doing it would never exist. It's a very specific alternative universe, very specific. It's hiding behind a quantum star. So I just wanted to say that up front. And also now this is officially 
like episode 11, really, I believe, which means this is phase two, which means, um, yeah, you know, maybe going to go a little bit crazy into phase two, uh, perhaps. Well, not all of the time, but for something like this, yeah. So, so anyway, that's just like a little early heads up. But I'm very excited to hear what you've got. Was there anything else about Friends? Like I say, I watched it when it was first on. Like, there's a new sitcom on Channel 4 at 9 o'clock on a Friday night. It's called Friends. It's like, okay. And it's like the X-Files. I watched it. Like, there's a new show in the 90s, and it became this huge thing. So I like, so therefore, I really was on the ground floor for it. And I, I like it. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, Shep, I was a bit late to the party. I, I think I came in at about season two or three. I um I, I I I try and take it as a compliment, but I get a lot of characters, certainly when I was younger and more um less grizzled, saying that, that I look a bit like Ross from Friends for quite a long. It sort of haunted me a fair bit of. My there own. is something there, but in fairness, that's not um an unflattering comparison. A lot of people dig the swim, so I wouldn't <laughs> worry about that. But it, I mean, and I have to say, yeah, yeah, there's a point there. You, you're the sort of the, the hybrid of the you know, and really again, sort of like a nineties Jimbo bit of a swimmer, bit of a Scott Bakula going on. I can dig it. It's a good stuff. But yes. It's a, that was my in because I was, I was seeing a girl in when I was at school and they were, I, I was getting a bit in class. I thought, oh, eventually I'll just check the show out. And of course, it's very accessible. In those early seasons, it was excellent. And one thing, I'll, the only other point I'll add to what you said, Sheppy, is just I think they cast it so well. Like, yeah. they got so lucky with that cast that then meant that when it did dip or when it did get into that really awkward thing that I find with the Big Bang as well, by the way, where they're just waiting for the laugh with the audience and it's just really, it's just awkwardly played to that. I get it. It can work that live studio. But when, when they are doing that, like it doesn't matter you've got such polished performers such polished performers and my favorite bit of the whole friends reunion bit was um joey was uh, sorry uh, matt leblanc is talking to david schwimmer and he's saying dude it came on the other day the leather pants one and i said to my kid watch this one i remember how well david worked on this one and he just yeah. goes man you ace that when you hit yourself in the face, like it's just perfect. And I know you are such a masterclass or that stuff, you know, and they just have a little moment together and it's just really cute. And it's it's kind of offhand and it's really nice. And I thought, That's oh, lovely. And, um, and they're all like that. And you get the laughs out of their little nuances now, I feel, not the big lines, you know, it's not right. they're clever, they're snarky, they're snappy sometimes, but it's, it's the little things they're doing. And uh, I really love the physical comedy of it. And um, nice. and the, yeah, I just I think it's it's a very comfortable little bubble, a bit like Cheers is, isn't it, with the bar, with the coffee shop. And I think yes. it's um it's, well, it's that's nice it. to revisit. Um, yeah, you 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 had a very good point there in that huge element of Friends popularity. I've always actually compared it to the Harry Potter books in that, in a way, well, in, in every way actually, the plot is totally secondary and it's very comfortable. And I had this with the Simpsons for a long time, just watching it and spending time with the people in that universe is just pleasant and it's this lovely blanket you can put around it's the ultimate comfort viewing and friends is absolutely that but six people and you generally like them and that some people dislike certain characters but generally i think all the characters are liked if not loved you know and they're obviously very hardcore friends fans but just in general they're they like you say play very well and they're all distinctive and they all play it to perfection and they all have excellent chemistry and it is lucky but of course that you know the people making it they knew what they were doing 
and it's directed by James Burroughs, the first episode of many episodes, and he, he's the guy you want. And so, yeah, they're, they're good for friends. You know, it's easy to be actually a bit dismissive of it, but the chemistry and the general, despite it dipping here and there in some storyline, you know, Frankie Pants, it's like it maintained a certain quality throughout. And a big part of that, of course, is the chemistry. And I love a bit of business. That's always my favorite thing. Um, when someone does some just little thing, you just watch them eat, and especially if they're in the background. It's like this beer carrier, you know they're doing they're going for it. And I love it. And yeah, the little face, little moment of confusion. I'm gonna say there's this one bit, okay, this is showing something really specific, but in one of, in the episode where they go to Phoebe's uh, family and uh, I guess the, the dad, Frank, but she doesn't go in and they're in the taxi and Joey and Chandler are stuck in there. It's Christmas Eve and they don't get a chance to get the presents. And the end credits are them giving everyone their really shitty presents that they bought at the petrol station, at the gas station. And um, and that's I, that always stayed with me and I really like it. And specifically when <laughs> it's actually when they give um, uh, Phoebe like toilet seat covers uh, and, and and she goes, is this what you did when, when I was in the bathroom? And they're like nodding and loving it. And she's like, you guys, and that's great. But it's Rachel who's just sort of off to the side of the frame. And she just sort of like, does it all just this look like, what? And she's like, no, it's almost expressionless. Uh, and, it's, and it really, really makes me laugh. So I'm gonna say that that must be my favorite Friends moment of all time because it's still with me. And I haven't watched Friends for ages. So it's really yeah, nice, almost non-acting and it's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think um, I'll, I'll quickly give my favourite moment as well, because I think I know what it is too. But um, but one thing that's made me realise, and I wish I'd pulled that thread a bit more in my pitch in a moment, is I think when it was at its strongest, they were they were losers, or at least they were not as affluent as they became later on in right. the season. On the back that, foot. And that's always more likeable. Yeah, and relatable, I guess, isn't it? Because yeah. it in itself is unrelatable, so as, as is often picked out. So it's one of those where, yeah, yeah okay. But you can, you know, it's all suspension of disbelief. It's like, and they make fun of that, the fact that the sofa is always free in Central Park, and, you know, apart from yeah. what time is it? And it's like, yeah, and that's good. Yeah, of course, of course, it's great. Yeah, of course. Um, um, so that's nice. So I'm... That, that, that sounds up. Very nice cameos. Lots of people who I always forget were in it. Rudd, yeah. Bad Rudd. I'd be interested if you've got any cameos as well. Which is. Which I mean, is... I didn't go deep. There are cameos, but I didn't go to the trouble of really thinking the plot through enough to establish when I didn't go cocktails and dreams on this one, Jimbo. I didn't go that deep, but I do have certain ideas of certain people who can pop up. Um, I will say that the other day I watched my best friend's wedding with, and I always get the names mixed up. I'm gonna say Dermot Maroney, but it might be Dylan McDermott. <laughs> Cause I always, always, but I'm gonna say my first option. Um, he's also, yeah, he's got this really stupid face. He, um, but he, I wanted to IMDB cause uh, see what else he was in cause he's so stupid. <laughs> and I like what I know he's in living in oblivion, but, um, he, he was familiar and I'd seen him in something recently and I didn't realise, but he's in like three or four episodes of Friends. I don't remember who adds, but I've put him in my credits, spoilers, just at the beginning. But yeah, sure, whoever he plays, he's back in a little cameo. So Dylan McDermott. <laughs> <Dylan, Dylan. laughs> 
I thought you could, because Julia Roberts was in it with Chandler. Yes. Me. That's amazing. Yes. That's my yes. favourite. They dated one. in real life. Man, I, I mean, I don't think we, this pod is going to touch on stuff. Oh, can I, can I make one comment? I, I, sorry, I have one observation that I would never have thought of if we hadn't just followed this. But what, something that's really funny to me is Schwimmer's failure. Let me, let me be clear. Um, so, for example, Matthew Perry is in the whole nine yards with Bruce Willis and gets Bruce Willis to come in on the show. Um, and there are other examples. I mean, Brad Pitt with Aniston, and that's because, you know, they were together, but, you know, she gets him on. And, and around this time, oh, yeah, and Matt LeBlanc is in Lost in Space, and he gets Gary Oldman oh, to come on. Does, and yeah. yeah. Oh, and Schwimmer around the same time is in uh, Six Days, Seven Nights with Harrison Ford. Is Harrison Ford in? No, no. Do you think he even asked Harrison Ford? Of course he didn't. And if he tried, that's an amazing scene. I want to see the scene of David Schwimmer approaching Harrison at like, you know, in the bar or something in the hotel where they're filming. And like, he just goes, hey. <laughs> that's amazing. That's what I want to see more than a friend's reunion. I want to see that scene. <laughs> So, so anyway, that's always tickled me. <laughs> so it's like the House of Ford's conspicuous by his obvious absence. Oh, I love that, Sheffy. I love that you thought that through that much. It was wonderful. Hey, look, I'll quickly share my favourite friends moment because I think it's um, it's basically um, Ross's married Rachel in Vegas, like which is, by the way, in terms of season cliffhangers, like a brilliant one like a really really brilliant one and then um he he's lied to her about getting it annulled basically and hasn't told her and um and he's nervous in front of his uni students just generally nervous about the crowd size of crowd and so he puts on a fake english accent every time he does the course and it's really stupid but they they tear it all up over the episode and it's got a personal hotspot for me because i, I remember just watching it in my room i was still living at home at the time and, um, and at the end of the episode, Rachel finds out that he hasn't annulled it, comes to confront him at the, at the university. And um, just at the point she walks in, just said to his students, look, guys, I've been really nervous. I've put on this English accent. I just want to be real with you and straight with you, yada, yada, that kind of speech. But Rachel comes in and goes, Russ, you didn't annul our wedding. And he just goes... Hello, Rachel. <laughs> as I laughed in my in my um, bedroom, that I heard like Vicky and Eddie laughing as well separately downstairs. I was like, "Hey, we're nice. all watching it. That's really funny." Oh, that's nice. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> but um, what a brilliant lad. Yeah, I, I, I don't feel sorry for Schwimmer in a way because he never. He strikes me as one of these characters who's very even. Like, you knew what you wanted out of it, and you're just happy. And, yeah. God, good God, are they going to be well off anyway, you know? It's, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, they're very, very well off. Because that, that's a syndicated show. <laughs> that's a very syndicated show. Um, and Schwimmer, I would say, I mean, Aniston, and then Schwimmer, in terms of who has the quote and unquote best, you know, career. But let's, you know, say in terms of, you know, being out there, I would say, Aniston, Schwimmer. So no, there's, there's nothing, nothing but admiration for the director of Fat Run Boy, Run Fat Boy Run. Yes, I want to say, and maybe you can cut this out or maybe you can even insert it earlier, but I need to say in terms of the actors who got people in, um, so feel free to have this as an edit point or just leave all of this in. Anyway. Leave it all, <laughs> Shepard, this is the gold, yeah. 
But feel free to put this about five minutes earlier when I was saying, so Matt LeBlanc got him and they got him because Lisa Kudrow oh, was yeah. in Analyze This and Analyze That. And, um, and so therefore, well, I don't know if it is therefore, but Billy Crystal with Robin Williams was in an episode of them as well. So there's that connection. And I and she's like great friends with Conan O'Brien. She isn't she? She's done some great. Yeah, they um, went to uh, the Chicago. I want to say Groundlings yeah. together. I mean, I'll be honest, man. I it's really you've got a fascinating thing there. I'd forgotten they'd all had that, that little point, probably mid to late nineties, yeah. that Hollywood dalliance when they were still making Friends, and then between seasons, or they were doing a Michael J. Fox, they were doing a film at the same time. Yeah, and Austin did Picture Perfect, and and others like that. Um, and yeah, Lisa Kudrow did Michelle, Romney and Michelle's High School Union, and LeBlanc did this, uh, did Lost in Space, and Chandler, <laughs> Matthew Perry did um, Cheaper by the Dozen, uh, no, not Cheaper by the Dozen, The Whole Nine Yards, and he did um, that show, that, that one, that film with Sam Hayek, and he made that one where he pretends to be gay, totally cashing in on, on the Chandler storyline, but people think Chandler's gay, with Neve Campbell, like he pretends to be gay, you can fancy Campbell, that sort of thing. So yeah, they all had their thing, and Schwimmer in Six Days, Seven Nights. Schwimmer is in Wolf, by the way, uh, before Friends. It was 94, so I guess immediately prior to Friends, he has a, a very small role with one line, where as a, a policeman, or maybe even a security guard at the zoo, but I think it's a policeman who's running up Yeah. Yeah, wakes up in a cage and he's a wolf and he goes, you took my cops! And, uh, and uh, yeah, so there you go. So go oh, okay. Corny Cox had the biggest career prior, of course, to Friends. Aniston had been in some stuff, including Leprechaun, maybe the first Leprechaun film, the original. Uh, and yeah, and Matt LeBlanc had been in that advert for Ketchup. Amazing. That's my favourite. And he was in that film with the monkey as well. Ed, possibly. <laughs> Baseball monkey. Yeah. I need to just, just this because I, I feel that Sheppy over time, Giants is going to become a bit of a for the record piece for the two of us. But I feel this is an appropriate time to tell, I think, my favourite not meeting a celebrity story, which is to say that I was in um, America with our comrade Stewie in 1998. And we were getting up early for the LA tour in California, and we were offered the chance to go for some. Beers. <laughs> well, thank God. <laughs> yeah, we were the chance to go for some beers with some other um, English fellas who were staying in the same hostel. Oh, you we headed were... down for the coast. We'll get together, have a few laughs. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> and I wish I had. I wish I'd. Uh, I wish I wasn't stuck in my elevator shaft. Oh, not. What's he in? <laughs> Bruce Willis is not an elevator shaft. He's in the bloody vents, isn't he? Anyway, anyway. He's an elevator shaft. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's, he's in the air vents. He's in the air. He's in the elevator shaft. I like to say a lift shaft, and he's in the air vents. He's on Come the to California, have a few laughs. I think you had over me for about two months as a quote I couldn't guess. And until I learned it was John McClane. And I think even you had to give it to me out of just pity because I was weeping <laughs> on your foot. But anyway, they offered to, they said, do we want to go for beers? We said, no, we've got an early start in the morning for this tour. Um, and they were on the same tour following day. 
Stewie and I get on the coach and they're looking a bit worse for wear. And we're like, what happened to you boys? And they're like, well, we just went um, to go and uh, play some pool and have some beers. Who turns up? Bloody Matthew Perry. And we're like, <laughs> what? Because, <laughs> yeah, he said, oh, guys, I'm waiting for some friends. You mind if I hang with you and play some pool? They're like, okay. And he bought them beers, had an amazing time, took them to the vi Viper room. <laughs> <laughs> the VIP lounge. Keeper Sutherland was there, pre-Jack Bauer, <laughs> hammered apparently. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> and on your left, you see Elizabeth Taylor's old house. I'm so bloody glad we stayed up and went to bed early. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's well, that's the best thing I've ever seen. Uh, that's great. That leads its whole TV show as well. That's 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 amazing. <laughs> We'd better get on with it, Sheppy, otherwise we'll be here for, for Ebbs. But... All right, but I'm loving all of this. This is good <laughs> stuff. Um, so so you jump in, because like I say, mine's pretty fucking thin. So you you go for it. By thin, it's, it's yes, go for it. Um, Jimbo, uh, see us into Friends. Okay. That's yeah. another edit point. I'm all over the place today. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to keep all of your edit points in. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um... I just, I, I did a little bit of Googling for this one. I have to concede, Sheppy, just to get names. Um, because I, obviously I knew the six core. And by the way, what other, I mean, maybe Seinfeld and Cheers, but other shows where you know all the, the main characters, first and last names and everything, but, but just, you know, the kids' names and that sort of stuff, I just didn't know. But in Googling it, I found one really fun fan theory that I haven't pulled on, but I thought I'd just share with you. There are fans out there that think that Friends might actually be a, um, a fantasy of Phoebe's <laughs> that she was homeless and friendless and actually she was just it was just a meth adult fantasy of a homeless lady <laughs> she stared through the window nice. of Central Park it was pretty dark <laughs> that's good stuff <laughs> look as I as I um, suggested before I just I don't think Joey was sorted at the end and I think if they remember correctly they did send him off to California for the for the ill-fated Joey but Joey did you see Joey, by the way, the show, which I believe ran for I one I think season. I watched the first couple, but it was, it, yeah, he's, he can't carry his own show, can he? Really live long. Great. It act. potentially could have worked. You know, I mean, it worked for Frasier and Levine and Shirley. You know, it could have worked. Out of all of them, then Joey seems like the most likely person. And the idea of him going to California to try and be an actor, that could work. I think I saw bits of a few episodes and it didn't land. For whatever reason, the show I don't think is great. Generally, who knows? It's subjective, of course. Someone might, it might, it's definitely, it's 100% someone's favourite show of all time. So fair play to Joey. But um, no, I don't think it worked. And it probably got a whole season just because it, you know, the blank and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So in terms of where the show leads, Joey, do you remember where what was? I don't remember Joey, where Joey is, Joey, Joey, to be honest. I'm cancelling Joey for this, I think, Sheffield, to be honest. I, but I mean, the last episode of Friends, where does it meet Joey? I think he's I think he's just going to California. That's it, to go and try and make right. it, I believe. I believe. But I don't think it matters too much because we're going 15 years into the future here, Sheffield, so a heck of a lot can happen in that time, I guess. So. Oh, all... no, I wasn't worried about Joey continuity. By the way, <laughs> Here's the new show for you. It's called 
Joey continuity. And it's about this young hotshot who goes to LA to break it into the continuity department of the Hollywood industry. And but he keeps getting the continuity wrong because he's really shit, despite his surname literally being continuity. Yeah, and the front cover is him wearing a Hawaiian shirt and he's doing the hands open kind of the, I've just gotta be me, Joey continuity. Um, in terms of where where we take the show, no, we can we don't have to worry about the show, Joey. And indeed, isn't the whole nature of this podcast ignoring certain spin-offs and sequels anyway? Though I'd be upset if we didn't keep ignoring Joey. Agree. Ignoring Joey is my sequels show, by the way. <laughs> After Joey Continuity, it's just called Ignoring Joey. It's him when he hits the skin. I like Ignoring Joey. I think it's a great time. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people say it's better, but, yeah, but it only ran for two seasons. But that, that's, that's for another time. Uh, shall we? Shall we start the podcast? Shall we go in to uh, Jimbo? <laughs> tell me about about uh, your friend. Um, tell me this. Everyone's back. I'm assuming you, you didn't have an Addison holdout. Well, well, is everyone back, Sheppy? I mean, I think you know the answer, but let me give you one tease. Um, at least five of six are back at the beginning. So let me just do that. One, one second. Here we go. So just, just to prep you, a couple of things. Um, I, it, it's set 2009, it's made and set 2019 or 20, broadly. Right. It doesn't really matter. The, uh, the, 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 <laughs> but the, um, I've gone quite a, um, the, the opening cred bit, you know, before the da -da 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 -da, like that is, I'm, I'm cold open. I'm labouring it for you. Have no fear. The rest of the show is not this okay. laboured, but I just wanted to set the. Oh scene. no, I'm loving it. Labour away. Um, and then, um, and then the other thing is just, I wanted to like come up with a good the one, you know, the one with the one. Da, 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 but I, oh, I, yeah. I didn't like. I, I was gonna go with um, the one with three funerals, but I, in the end, I, as I, I've only got one funeral, so, <laughs> but I thought it would be quite funny. Well, but, fair uh, enough. It would be misleading. <laughs> Um, and then, but I've gone with the one after 15 years, simple as that. So the one after 15 years. That's right. so, um, so we open. Oh, we... and so this is a one-off, just because I don't think we even mentioned this. Um, this is a friends reunion, in your case, 15 years later. And it's a one-off, are we saying one hour, 60 minutes show? Yeah, 60 minutes. I think the 60 minutes was not was the explicit brief last time as well, Sheffield. Yes. That's at the top, you're right. Yes. So yeah, and I think... Um, but you'll see where I might, you'll see at the end of mine that it is a one-off, but there's a, there's a twist to that. Too. Um, okay, so we open with a sweet 16th party being set up for the twins, Jack and Erica, in the Bing's back garden. Monica's clipping the final leaves from the shrubbery very, you know, as she would, you know, just to make the garden look beautiful. Chandler's trying to sneak a cake on it to be given the evils by her occasionally. Um, Erica, the daughter, seems to be outside on an iPad, Chandler asks her to help her mother and she gives it the, could you be any lamer, you know, and um, where's your brother? He's upstairs ironing his shirt. He's actually the fastidious one, even more so than Monica. It's just a throwaway point. It's, I'm not really focusing on the kids at all. And there's no one. But it's nice. Kid. It's a setup. It's yeah. Um, but, um, but one of the things here is that Chandler's whole family is marginalising him. And he's feeling like the lowest in the pecking order. You know, he's absolutely emasculated by everybody and just by no means in control of anything. You know, his kids 
totally bossing him. Obviously, Monica bosses him, all of that. He hates being in the burbs. And the neighbours are going to be coming over to this party and they're going to be judging his lawn, et cetera, et cetera, all that sort of stuff. So we're just establishing that. I haven't, a couple of times I've attempted a couple of gags, Sheppy, in the voices. I haven't bothered here, but that's basically Chandler's in the burbs. He's not actually enjoying it. His kids are ruling him, you know, and, and Monica's still being fastidious and getting this party set up. Ross and Rachel are on the way to the party. They're in the car with their kid, Emma, and Rachel's driving. I don't know if you remember this, but Ross drives very, very slowly. So I just imagine that Rachel would always be driving. And um, again, nice. the, the kid's a little bit disengaged. Um, she's on an iPod or phone or whatever. And she's um, just, uh, Ross is like, what are you watching? And she gives him the evils over the top. And, um, and he's like, you know, come on, Emma, you've got to let it slide. And then this is then just the interplay between Ross and uh, Rachel, an attempt from me, Sheppy. And she's like, Ross, you embarrassed her in front of her teacher and her friends. And then Ross is like, everyone knows since the Brontosaurus was proved separate from Apatosaurus that it contains three species, Excelsus, Yanifan, and Parvus. And then and he goes, there were two <laughs> species, Rach. And she's like, Ross. She, you know, when she actually cuts him off really beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then Ross is given, this is our daughter's education, her future. And then and Ross, there were pieces of the card on a school board, not the Smithsonian. He goes, they were laminated. <laughs> and he gives it that little whiny Rossy thing at the end. <laughs> I, I can see it. So clear. Um, well, they get to the party, and as they write the hugs and all that sort of bonhomie and that kind of stuff, and um and then um and and as they walk in, like um Monica's saying, hey, we've got Phoebe and Mike, and Phoebe and Mike are, are, are zooming in. So we've pure got Ant-Man back as well as uh, as Kudrow. Nice. I'm gonna pause for a sec, Sheppy. My next one neighbor has a rowdy motorbike that is just getting cracking, so it's gonna take about 30 seconds to go. Um, oh, did you hear Calibos? I did, yeah. <laughs> He's loving it. He's back on board. <laughs> <laughs> it's a massive ch chandler fan. Oh, listen then, during this pause, I mean, yeah. I've, got a, I've got a weird tummy. So if I just suddenly run off, just wait for me. I, I will find you. <laughs> Keep it down. <laughs> <laughs> That's valid. I had a cup of tea, but it's only doing half the job. I can't hear the motorbike. That's oh, okay. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll get going now. I think he's just sleeping now. Anyway. By the way, let me say, I've, that dialogue between Ross and, and Rachel, I, it was so pitch perfect in my head. <laughs> I, could, I could see it all and hear it perfectly. Nice. I could see. I, I think that's going to be that's just their family dynamic, you know. And then, yeah. Um, so yeah, they've got, they've got Phoebe and Mike on the Zoom at the party and they're in Amsterdam. And looking super happy and chilled out and they're giving it from afar you know hey how's it all going guys you know yeah and they're really happy and phoebe sort of is doing one of those where's joey you know looking around and then um and then there's some kind of tease i don't think it's quite a oh you guys haven't heard but um but it's something like that and then we cut to a hospital waiting room where a very frail elderly frail italian lady is sobbing into a handkerchief and the doctor is speaking to her saying i'm afraid we did everything we could for your son our very best surgeons were unable to perform the procedure we needed to and no other doctors from our hospital were available until we got lucky the world's leading neuroscientist was here on a golf speaking engagement 
and then suddenly there's just applause in the waiting room, you know, but there's, there's probably a slightly longer tease than I've given you where you think this old lady might be Mrs. Triviani, you know what I mean, Joey's yeah. mother, but essentially then there's just applause from all counts, you know, guys that have been um, in, in wheelchairs unable to walk due to their procedures start to stand and, you know, start clapping and people in drips are like, you know, giving it an applause too. <laughs> <laughs> and then a guy with, I don't know, what's that throat cancer thing where you got the little... Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Yeah. Andy Garcia. Yeah. He puts it on, on his throat and he says to the guy in the bed next to him, that guy saved that boy's life. <laughs> and Dr. Drake Ramore, Silver Fox, enters the room and he's uh, looking beautiful and the old lady stops sobbing, looks at him, they have a connection across the room and um, and he's got his whole crew with him, the surgeons are with him, the caddy, the little kid caddy from the golfing trip is with him still too, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and it's just... <laughs> And she's suddenly like, you know, the old lady's gone from from grief to misty-eyed, a little bit in love with Dr. Drake Ramori, and he's just about to speak. And uh, then there's pandemonium outside, and one of the ambulances has blown a tire on the way out to an emergency, and um, and very very expository and clunkily, it's established. You know, all the other ambulances are on call, and, uh, <laughs> and Joey is Dr. Drake Ramori looks to his left, looks to his right, and just goes, Timmy, we need the nine iron. <laughs> Timmy gives him the golf club. Dr. Drake runs outside, levers the ambulance up, and then they get to change the tire. <laughs> and then we just hear this cut. <laughs> and, uh, and basically, it's Dr. Drake Ramore in the movie. And, um, and Joey says to the director, You've got all that in one take. And the director's like, Yeah. And he's like, That's awesome. And so it's a cut for lunch. And then everyone starts going about their beers around the, the set. And, um, and at that moment, you know, the, the silliness then flips. And we get a sense of Joey being actually very, very lonely and he's got no real buddies on the set. Maybe all the actors and actresses go off, do their thing, have their lunch and smooch. And then um, he goes over to his trailer and looking all mopey and that. But we can't end the door on that, the, sorry, end the, um, the pre-cred on that note. So he opens the door to his trailer and as he opens it, he just his eyes light up and he goes, how you doing? And there's a huge double foot long salami sandwich waiting for his <laughs> on his trailer table. And then we cut to the friend's music. Amazing. It's a crowd-pleasing callback. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't love Dr. Drake Ramore? I want to see more of that. It's cheesy. I love it. I love it. Um, so then we get the, 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 the cred. We've got the birthday party. Um, little details, silly gags, you know, bits and pieces. I haven't obviously bothered with any of that stuff. But then at one point... Do you point, see your title sequence being the classic or is it something new? It's a great point, isn't it, Sheppy? I feel it's the classic. I feel Let me say this. I always felt they missed an opportunity. And for the end credits of the final episode, they should have filmed new stuff of them in that fountain as them now like dancing around and then, and i feel they missed a trick there so i don't know that's not what i'm doing incidentally but that, that could work i think that's yeah i'm going classic and i think yeah because at this point it's still celebration but nice. but uh, that's yeah we'll, we'll put pin in that for a sec because i i'll come back to the very end the um so the birthday party basically the little gags and at one point charm was sitting with russ and they're talking about it and Charlie is having a bit of a whinge about his life and he starts and he's they've got even though it's the 16th there's some balloons around and there's one really like long one and he starts doing a stupid routine about his family but really snarky quite funny but snarky about like you know Monica's doing this yeah 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 his neighbors are doing that and then and his daughter is like basically been filming him and she's just like on her phone going 
dad is so lame like that, whatever walks away. And then, um, <laughs> I mean, it's quite clunkily set up that Sheppy, but you know, we're, we're going to revisit that it. a bit later. I love I'm, it. I'm stealing from one of our favorite movies a bit later on. Um, so anyway, <laughs> um, then that, that, that whole thing, that whole sequence is like two, three minutes. We're not going to spend long at this party, but as, as it's winding down, it's not like a set piece per se. Of the thing. Well, it is obviously, but it's not like, you know, the, the full thing. As the party's winding down, there's a phone call. Um, Ross, it's dad, you know, essentially Monica's taken the call and she just says that and basically Elliot Gold has died. Um, um, so this is our sort of inciting incident, if you like, part one leading to a part two inciting incident in a second. So he's the last of the friend's parents left. It kind of galvanises them to also return to New York for the funeral out of respect. Um, and um, and so they're at the funeral. This is just a little silly thing I thought of later and have inserted, but I think it will probably work. That Ross says before the funeral, like, you know, dad was quite a funny guy and he just wants people to be a bit sad, but also have a laugh. And he's really proud of his speech. Um, so that he's going to speak at the eulogy. And uh, Selick pops up in this as a cameo, by the way. And he speaks about his old friend and makes everyone nod and chuckle wistfully, you know, and everyone's happy. And then Chandler gets up as the son-in-law and tells the sauna story of when he sat on his lap naked and everyone, like, you know, laughs a bit and calls out he's a great dad. And then people like sort of dab their eyes and weep again a little bit as well. Then Ross um, tells, steps up and tells a brief heartfelt story. I haven't figured out what the story is yet about when he was a kid and everyone starts laughing at him. <laughs> that wasn't the funny part. And then he does a gag at the end and it lands really badly. <laughs> and all laughs and it's just cricket. And then Joey comes up and he's like, right, because Ross is like, you know, obviously really upset. Joey comes up to try and save him. <laughs> no. and, and Joey basically just says, oh, look, you know, during days of our lives when we were going to lose Kathy. And, um, and it's obviously just a fictional character. Everyone starts dabbing their eyes again. Like <laughs> Ross is like, oh, come on. <laughs> but, um, and then um, so Phoebe's turned up at the funeral on her own um, as well. And here's a little silly, interesting wrinkle. Even though they totally got Mike back for the cameo, they're actually, they, it turns out they're consciously uncoupling. And Phoebe's very happy with it, very, you know, airy-fairy with it, says everything's fine. And um, she's still got three more marriages to go anyway. You know how she's kind of predicted her death and all that sort of stuff. Um, when she said she said that, I think she wouldn't see her sister again until she until she was going to die or, something, or at her funeral or something silly like that. So um, that's actually an important plot point in a minute, Shep. So she's decided, you know, because she knows she's going to get married three more times, given a lady with tea leaves, whatever, has told her this, then, you know, she, she, she and Mike need to uncouple anyway, it's time. And so anyway, they all lament they haven't seen each other in too long. They're a bit worried about their, their kids are about to head off to college for those that have got them and the whole that's going to leave in the, in the empty nest. And as the friends gather at the Gellis place for the wake, they actually find an adoption letter that is sealed from an adoption agency from some of the, the, the stuff that's been accumulated. And they don't know whether to open it or not. Ross is steadfast against it, being, you know, very much we wouldn't want to know and all that sort of stuff. Monica wants to know. Um, Monica actually has the letter and is about to open it. And Ross is like, come on, Rach, will you talk to her and tell her? And Rach is like, honey, this isn't my place. Ross looks at Chandler and says, come on, can you do something with your wife here? Come on. And Perry says, there's already been one funeral today. You know, that kind of line. I can imagine Chandler say that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's kind of, it's going to be basically the, um, the Monica, they open the letter. It turns out it's actually just from an agency. It doesn't reveal who has been, but it is confirmation of adoption. 
Um, and um, so they, it doesn't say either way. So Monica and Ross's journey for this is basically that they, they're bickering about who may or may not be the, um, the adopted one of the two of them. Um, but they, they, the, the whole thing is investigating and trying to get to the bottom of that. And the friends at one point gag that if Ross is the adopted one, does it mean they could actually still be friends with Susan instead? Is there still time? <laughs> and uh, the reveal of that, but basically on the Monica and Ross thing, is that they were both adopted. And then, of course, we get a nice bit of cheesiness there, you know, of some sort, you know, in, in, in the wrap-up of that. Um, the, um, while, while that's happening... Um, Chalmer and Joey um, go back to the, the coffee shop. I'd like that coffee. I've just been trying to think of something here, Sheppy, and I can't yet, but it's, it it's may, might still be Central Perk, but, but I was trying to think of a pun that might make it vegan. So it's just totally veganized itself. Something like that, I think, would be appropriate. Um, nice. And they're there just basically wondering how to get some service around there. And then, of course, I, I think I want to see some jet. Well, there's two things I want. I want a Chanda and Joey adventure. Of course I do. And so I want those two together because that's kind of my favourite twosome, I think. And then, um, but then I also got to have Janice back, right? So maybe there's a, as they're standing there, and there's an, oh my God, you know, and uh, and she's uh, she, she's there and, you know, she owns this in place now or something. And, and it's just quite a nice callback. Um, or it could just be God, it doesn't really matter. But then, um, so while they're standing at the bar though, uh, at, the, at the coffee bar, and some girls approach them and they give it the, uh, excuse me, and Joe, Joey immediately goes, yes, I'm Dr. Drake Ramora and it's not Joey they're after. And they're like, hey, no, 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 we're after your friend. And, you know, European vacation style. Chandler has become a YouTube sensation as the balloon guy. <laughs> and basically, he looks at it and, uh, and there's footage of him bagging out his whole family with a, with a, a balloon, you know, but he's like, oh my God, how do we delete the YouTube? I'm dead, you know, and so anyway, he's sort of, <laughs> and so he's like really panicking as if Monica sees this video or if actually anybody sees this video, any of his neighbours sees this video. Um, so the kind of that thread is then the two of them just, I don't know whether, I haven't really got a, a specific adventure for them, but essentially it's kind of the, how is he going to confront this for, um, with, with Courtney Cox and you know eventually at the end of course it's a is this how you feel and they have a cheesy little makeup at the end you know because actually he's not that um you know he, he loves his family but they're a bit annoying whatever you know but uh, and he realizes he's gonna miss his daughter and she his son and daughter when they leave and all that kind of thing but I think the um I did debate them going off and trying to sort of set Joey up or something but I think I don't really want Joey set up yet by the end of this one Phoebe and Rachel's adventure is going to be basically they they visit some old haunts together while they're in while um, Phoebe's in town um, and they go off to Ralph Lauren and where she was working and it turns out Ursula is working there too and um and has taken Rachel's job and Rachel realizes that being a mum has actually had her suddenly lose a lot of her own identity and who she was and everything in fashion and all that and she just wants she it's an itch she misses and wants to get back to she's become too much of a suburban mum kind of thing and Phoebe having seen Ursula realizes that her whole thing around I, you're only meant to see me when I die means that you know the fact she's the same lady with the tea leaves who told her she had to be married three times might be wrong and maybe her and Mike should give it another go you know so um so essentially we'll get a little pull rug cameo at the end and they'll they'll be all nice and happy at the end as well and a nice little bubble um, bubble 
Um, the only other thing I had, Sheffy, was just that I feel like it's two th actually two things. One is just that I think um, at some point it should just be revealed that like Phoebe and Joey were just sleeping together the whole time. <laughs> like through uh, <laughs> theory, it would be just quite nice to just throw in there. Like, you know, you guys got together? Was it in London? Oh, no, no, way before then. You know, we were, you know as soon as we met that afternoon, I think, you know, whatever it was. <laughs> and, and, then, nice. um, and I think also it'd be quite nice maybe to bring back Elle McPherson just at the very end to just tease a bit of like Joey and Elle because that was my favourite pairing for Joey. Um, oh, nice. And at the very, very end, Sheppy, I think there's just this moment where they realise that the, um, they kind of, they all for different reasons want to move back out of the burps and want to come back to New York because they're about to have the empty nest and all that. And at the very end, the apartment upstairs that um, Monica and um, Chandler had comes up available again or something like that. And there's just this tease of whether, because I feel like the original Friends was all about when they were together. And sorry, when your friends are your family, that period, before you go and make a family. And I feel like they're now at this step where the family is, is going to disperse and they you could revisit a slightly older version of Friends of Your Family again, you know, and play to the age group a little bit. Um, so maybe there's an opportunity to do a new fountain or something, you know what I mean, at the very end of like then have it as a, yeah. a tease for a possible whole new set of Friends episodes where they're older, you know, maybe. But that totally works. And you could have the you could have the extended universe. So it's like a massive fountain, like ludicrous, and it's got the kids, the grandkids, and everyone, and like Rudd, and all the cameos, and all and everyone is dancing in this massive fountain at the end. That would be nice. That'd be yeah, nice yeah. Part. I love that. <laughs> and I could totally see that. And what you say about they go off and they have families, and then it's like empty nest time essentially, and then. You've got the show and it's the friends coming back together in this new season of their lives after they've had this whole life-defining moment of a whole raising a family. That could totally work, Jimbo, because I agreed with Aniston and what everyone said about it not, you know, there's no point in coming back. But if you came back from that angle, yeah, you could totally do that. Uh, unfortunately, they, they've all got, I don't know, it looks like they've all got so much plastic on them. You need to wait at least 30 years before they look aging but I'm loving it um, and let me say this all of that was fantastic as well um, that that whole thing it was great um, and the the characters and like Joey and Chandler having adventures of course and focusing on that yeah I would totally watch that hour show that made me like friends very much that whole thing oh, thanks ships well I want to hear I'm the loving. dark side I can't wait to hear the dark all right. side so let me say just so once again, so yeah, this is a, this is this is one where I wasn't going to sit down and, and write a Friends episode because I, you know Friends was really really good and very very well put together. So um, so I sort of went off on one and did something different. So it's the Friends is the tenth anniversary special, so it's uh, it's 2014, 60 minute episode. Now, the, the director here is like a joint director, and it's kind of a joke, but it basically immediately sums up what you can expect from, from where I'm coming from. So it's directed by James Burroughs and David Lynch. Uh, it's, starring, <laughs> it's starring everyone, everyone's back, and everyone, lots and lots of cameos, 
including Selleck, Rudd. I put in uh, just like random, um, I put in Jonathan Silverman. <laughs> I don't know why, I remember he was in I, I, an early episode um, as, as the doctor, I guess, or gynecologist. So I just like Jonathan Silverman. So I remembered him and then much later, I wrote Dermot Mulroney. So it's Dermot Mulroney, who is the, uh, the guy from Copycat uh, and, um, and My Best Friend's Wedding. Is Elliot Gould dead, by the way, in real life? No, he's, he's alive. He was at the Friends reunion. Right. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I'll put him in it, but I haven't, I haven't, I haven't thought about that at all. But yeah, sure. I'm going to put why not Gould can be in it for a second. So I'm just going to tell you basically, there is a very, very basic plot, but I'll, I'll tell you everything else first. And I'll tell you the very basic plot after setting everything up, basically. Um, so reality is warped and not all is as it seems, as these six friends reunite to slowly suspect that maybe they never went away and maybe they've always been exactly where they are. They're 10 years older, but no one remembers doing anything since the last time they met. New York is surrounded by a desert. All the airports are the wrong airport. Chandler and Monica keep forgetting that they're together. Some scenes start and Rachel and Joey are together, and then they're not. Uh, this isn't a Wonder Vision sort of fourth wall breaker, but it, I've described it as a, a prison of cause and effect. I don't even know what that means. Uh, they are not allowed anything um, other than a, a vacuous white existence, shallow lives with meaningless relationships and empty experiences forever. Uh, ben is mentioned but never seen, but it's heavily insinuated that he's still a baby. Uh, other kids, uh, Phoebe, uh, has, uh, she, didn't she give up kids for adoption or something? But they turn up, but they're different actors and genders and ages, sometimes <laughs> in different scenes, sometimes within the same scene. Uh, all the principles, are, so all of the characters themselves are at the height of, of their individual successes. Joey is a Hollywood star. Monica owns a chain of five-star restaurants. Chandler is a president of like Boring Company Inc. Uh, Rachel is a, as a fashion mogul. Uh, now for those four, their jobs are so abstract that we never see anything more than like one office for Chandler, one the kitchen for Monica, one phone call to an assistant that we never see for Rachel. She's apparently been to Paris and London and Milan and Sydney and Madrid for fashion shows. She's nothing to show for it, not even memories. Same for Joey. We hear conflicting film titles for his work. No one has really seen the whole thing, but they seem to remember scenes or a general theme or a plot and nothing more. And again, the details keep changing. Monica knows that she has these huge restaurants all over the country. But again, the only solid proof she has of this is the one kitchen that everyone has only seen. Their lives are whispers. Uh, and their accomplishments smoke. Uh, more substantial, however, are the last two of the, of the group. Phoebe is a spiritual leader whose songs and poems have formed a new religion which has a third of the world's population following zealously. Uh, her themes of, individu of individuality are smashed and she realizes that everything that is wrong with the world is herself. Wars have started and continue to rage in her name, her capital H. 
the gulf between Phoebes and non-Phoebes is growing larger every day. In another 10 years, at the current rate of growth, it seems likely that the world will be at least 85% Phoebe, with, a, with all unconverted being shunned or banished from their countries, refugees dead, or in the smelly, camp, uh, smelly cat internment camps, TM. Uh, Ross, um, however, is not doing as well as, as anyone else. Ross was a leading world, world-renowned philanthropist, uh, a paleontologist, uh, huge, until three years ago when it was discovered conclusively that dinosaurs are fake and the creationists were right. Mankind, it has been proven, is 10,000 years old. The earth is flat and there is a god. But uh, also the earth um, and, and the moon are sort of connected and the moon is a sort of a sentient puffer fish sort of creature. Uh, the world knows that there is a God, but that hasn't changed anything to, uh, for God's attitude to us. He doesn't talk or show signs of his existence anymore now than he did then. This has caused a huge mass exodus away from all religion, from God, from, from Christianity to Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, Buddhism, all of it people are basically defecting and of course a lot of them are joining Phoebe. Uh, as the six friends reunite uh, they slowly start to suspect that maybe their lives don't exist when no one is watching, that their world is a hazy, some might say even lazy concept. Long-term romances have led to nothing, even if characters are still together there are either traumatized shells, kind of like the family in Joe Dante's Twilight Zone thing, uh, about the kids who can do anything, or uh, the family, or they're only ever talked about but never seen, like Vera, you know, Cheers and so on. Uh, so the six heroes are really starting to realize that they're alone in the universe. Um, and again, the other children um, who are still children, like Ben, for example, and they're sort of glimpsed in a don't look now sort of way. Ross and Rachel are bound together. One doesn't exist without the other. Neither can they achieve anything apart as they must always be together. They're, it's a prison built on the concept of love. Gunther belongs to the cult of Rachel. Uh, he is the only member and is burnt alive in one scene by New York Phoebes as a heretic. Uh, they pour coffee beans on his scorched corpse to generate that freshly brewed smell he loved so much. Uh, the six, at one point, go to Joey or Chandler's new house and they walk into the pair's original set, the, their usual apartment with the duck and everything. Um, or they go to Monica's like new flat and it's the same classic uh, apartment that she shared with, with Rachel, it's the main set. They go anywhere and it's always Central Perk. Um, and it's always, in this case, it's always going back to the original set. Um, all six have the same basic issue. They know on some level that they're, they're, they are in a prison and reality is an abstract. Um, some kind of uh, deny this, but they're, they're all essentially understanding that their lives are futile. Uh, Ross doesn't really um, go with it. Phoebe is slowly starting to get more corrupted. Um, Returning characters are also warped versions. Tom Selleck appears, but is a lost soul. He has been in limbo for a millennia. Uh, 30 minutes, not including commercials, off camera is 10,000 years for him 
in a void of nothing. Paul Rudd is cracked, too perky and fresh-faced, for too long has caused his soul to atrophy. He is a side-webbed China cracked plate of a life. Uh, the world should have ended 10 years ago. The laugh track plays at uh, wrong moments. Um, act breaks happen at random times. Rachel at one point shaves her head, but the Rachel always grows back painfully. Um, so yeah, you can say the show is a meditation on when a series runs for too long. Um, it's a crazily convoluted. Uh, everyone has slept with everyone thousands and thousands of times. They have produced their hideous inbred children, malformed grotesques. Um, every conceivable plot device has been told and retold and retold again in this horrible Groundhog Day sort of millennia. Um, Chandler and Rachel, more than the others, are like Bill Murray after 10,000 years. Um, you know, Chandler's like, could I be any more alone? Every possible sitcom uh, trope is cracked and ancient. Brothers, sisters, parents, children, neighbors, bosses, and every conceivable character combo have met and met and met with every reaction and possible hijinks played out and played over and over and over. The actors look old, but plastic and uh, almost varnished, uh, like sort of like they're preserved in ember. Um, they're still meant to be in their early thirties. Now the basic plot, uh, which I haven't really touched on, is <laughs> the friends reunite in New York after a 10-year absence. Uh, they are all top of their respective games, but have lost touch with each other, and also perhaps the people they used to be. After a bizarre legal snafu, and to avoid major courtroom ramifications, the six must swap places for a day, passing themselves off as the other. Uh, the first half of the episode is this setup, and then the, the job swap. Uh, the second half involves all of the six together dealing with the results and the fallout as a group. Um, the opening of Act One is uh, is the court. Um, all six uh, turn up in their respective and successful pomp, all estranged from each other and awkward with the others. Uh, they have their fate spelled out by a lawyer who is a, a cameo by Cleaney. And he, he referenced the fact that he actually was basically Doug Ross in season one, I think. I used to be a doctor, but was discredited when I insisted on that lung transplant. Turns out I didn't need that second set at all. Not a funny line, but you know, that's, that's what we're going for. And they very quickly learn that the only reason, uh, the only way to escape conviction is to spend a day in the other one's shoes. Uh, um, I've actually written one possible reason for this is the Omegon star has entered the solar system and it is causing space-time to bend, but that's that's up to, <laughs> we'll let the director decide on that one. So Joey has to work in Chandler's office, and of course he makes lots of boneheaded decisions. Uh, Chandler becomes a chef, and of course he had fire and hilarity, no doubt. Uh, Monica must record a new music demo uh, in, in lieu of Phoebe, uh, and Phoebe takes over as a major fashion designer, of course, creating havoc on the Parisian runway uh, catwalks. Uh, Rachel must meet world-famous creationist uh, when she swaps with Ross, uh, the world-famous creationist who is also the Pope and host of a reality show, God Know. And Ross uh, becomes a major Hollywood superstar for the day, having to appear on a talk show and also film an intense love scene with a spoiled mega-famous co-star uh, who's played by Millie Bobby Brown. 
Uh, the fallout of the, all of this brings the six back together for the second half, and they do remain triumphant within the significance of that particular story. Uh, by the end of the day, hilarity has ensued, loyalties have been reforged, and friends have bonded, realizing that together they are unstoppable. And as always, I do have taglines. These can be used perhaps on the posters, on the underground, on the subway, on, on the tube, on bus stops, all of that stuff. Uh, one tagline is, nothing lasts like friendship. Another one is, you can't kill friendship, don't even try. Another one is, laughter is only screaming in company. And then the final one, which is like a bit larger, is, I wish it would end, life sucked and it blew, craving solitude and death, like you're there for me too. Uh, and that's that's my that's my friend's take, Jimbo. <laughs> like I say, it, it it's not you know it's not really going to exist in any reality I've ever been to. Well, Sheffy, there's a lot to love there. Let me just let me just try and catch this. I feel that is a wonderful, wonderful example of this pod can go anywhere. <laughs> Phase two, baby. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Central Peaks is where I'm going with that, to be honest with you. Central oh, Peaks. well, Central Peaks, nice. maybe. Yeah, but um, amazing. There you uh, go. That solves both of our problems. I just, uh, yeah. Wow. Um, their, their lives are whispers. In there, in that pitch was some of the most beautiful prose I've heard. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> and, um, and there's actually a really, really devastated examination of the human condition as well. <laughs> That's the quote I'm going for from the observer. Um, <laughs> just really leveraging like the nostalgia and investment in comedic characters and using that for all it's worth to make, I mean, God, Sheppy, what an opportunity. Let David Lynch loose, let you loose is my view. <laughs> I don't want to watch yeah. God know as well, all over that. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, thanks, man. Um, I'm, I'm happy with that. that. That worked out, but I wasn't sure. I hadn't really read it out loud or anything. So uh, that's good. I'm glad. I would rather watch your version. I'm sure... The, vast majority of everyone on the planet would rather watch your version. Your version dates, but no, um, no, you. I, I think um, I, I got really into the new, did you see the new Twin Peaks stuff? Of course you did. Because I remember you were building yeah. up to it again or something, but yeah, yeah. We re-watched, um, yeah, we didn't watch it immediately because it was on originally when I was in China, but when I got back, we watched all of Twin Peaks and of course the film, and then we went straight into it. Yeah, did it that, I mean, you... For what it's worth, man, you hit the tone and nature of that beautifully as well. Like, do you know what I mean? In terms of the, just not, even just when you think about Agent Cooper and that, like just not giving you what you want and then giving you flashes of what you want. Like you've done that with that. I mean, even the, the job swap is a brilliant idea. But you're giving it to people like they want to see it. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> thanks. Uh, but yeah, Kraken, uh, well, look, Sheppy. Well, thanks, man. That was wonderful to hang with you in Central Perk for a bit. And uh, I guess the only thing left is on the business is, is what's next for next week. All right, look. Um, <laughs> now, 
I, I don't know. I, I don't want to tarnish my reputation here. We're already sort of going off on one. I promise it's not always going to be weird. But when I was thinking about what it would be and my first contribution to what I'm still insisting on calling phase two. So I had I saw a film of a couple of weeks ago for the first time in not even that long. I'm going to say about 10 or 10, maybe 15 years. Um, and it was it's one from from the childhood. And I honestly don't know if you've seen it. Um, uh, and if you have seen it, I'm pretty certain it hasn't been for a very, very long time. Now, this is not a good film, but it struck me as like, oh, well, it could have a sequel or it could have a remake and I'd be open to either of those or, or anything. It's, it's really, really open. This is a wide open. Um, it could be done, it could be done as a TV show, it could be done in, 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 in lots and lots of reinterpretations. And the core concept is, is actually really good. The film itself is dodgy. Uh, now, I want to say before I give you the title, I, I had in mind it was really 50-50 as to whether or not I was going to go for this one or something a little bit more approachable. But I thought the, the thing that really stopped me was if I wait on this title, then people are going to think, wow, he's really scraping the bottom of the barrel if this is what he's come to. So I have to do it now so that people realize, no, 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 it's deliberate. <laughs> Otherwise, you know, it's, it's horrendous, but it's, a, it's, it's deliberate. Um, so that's that. So, yeah, I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel now. Think about that. Where, where is it going to go after this? So anyway, so, so the, the film Jimbo, is the 1986 science fiction classic, Flight of the Navigator. Wow. I have seen it that. Is. I have seen that. Nice. It's not very good. <laughs> Just there, Jessica Parker's in it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know whether to rewatch it or not. To be no, honest. you must. You must. 72% <laughs> of me choosing it was so you would have to rewatch it. <laughs> Frankly, 99%. Yeah, listen, it's, it's like, it's, it's, my, yeah. My, my thing on it, my only memory of it was, I think it was a fun splash, and I remember it being, an, an F-bomb was dropped by the dad in it, and I remember that being quite shocking. No, think, there's no F-bomb. Oh, there's really? No -bomb. I misremember. Yeah, no, pure Disney. It's, a, it's an 80s Disney kids film, so they do say shit, but, uh, but that's the limit. Yeah, yeah, it's, um. Yeah, no, listen, it's it's like an hour and 28 minutes, including credits. Uh, you're in and you're out. Um, it, it's, 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 it's all right. It won't hurt. You watch Batman and Robin, so it's okay. You'll be all right. Um, yeah, yeah. Blood of the Navigator. Uh, it's got something there. You know, otherwise I wouldn't mention it. But it's, yeah, it's, it's a weird film. And when you do it, Remind me to tell you about what happened to the kid in real life, because it's amazing. But that is for next week. <laughs> I don't want to say I'm excited. <laughs> no, no. If you did, I would be very, very worried. Uh, no. <laughs> I think we'll have some fun with it. Why not, man? Why not? Um, yeah, and, you know, I'm not used often, to of course... I'm fairly specific usually about like, oh, maybe, you know, sort of said it, you know, like a few years later. This can be anything. It could be anything, any anything. It could be a, a direct sequel or, or not. Yes, I'm very excited. Nice, Sheps. All right, well, look, I'll have a watch and I'll, 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 take, I'll take flight. No, it's rubbish. Oh. Well, well, 
Save that for next week. That's okay. Uh, take flight. <laughs> I need a, uh, I need, I need a second coffee. And and after the Central Peaks pitch, I think I need to put something very, very special in that coffee just to cope with the new, <laughs> the new universe. Yes, cyanide. <laughs> We'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at shoulderspod.com or shoulderspod at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.